Well, we're back for another week of the program. It's Pat and Stu in for Glenn today, who's on vacation this week, but returns next week. I know you're all excited about that. You've heard us talking uh, also a lot about the Jace case from Jace Medical. Jace case holds five of the most important antibiotics for emergency use that you can find. Well, I'm happy to announce that they're launching a new product, Jace Daily. This is really cool. It's a prescription supply service that allows you to get up to 12 months of backup supply of your prescription medication in case of emergency. Uh, this will cover a whole bunch of medications, you know, cholesterol, diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, and more. You know, these, these medicines you're taking, you know, maybe every day for a chronic condition. Um, really, you know, you have a supply chain disruption. That stuff is going to be gone and you don't have any way to get it because it's all made overseas. Um, it's really important for you to be prepared and you can be prepared with a 12-month backup supply of the prescription medication you need at jacemedical.com. Also got the Jace case there. It's a great idea as well. Uh, enter the code BECK at checkout for a discount on your order. The promo code is BECK at jasemedical.com, jacemedical.com. The code is BECK. All right, we start the radio program here in just seconds. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I think you'll be proud to be an American uh, when we share what happened over the weekend. Really, really good stuff at the White House. Yeah, good. yeah. I think you'll be. Well, it's it's Pride Month, and and so it's appropriate. You're going to be proud, and uh, we'll we'll share some of that. Uh, some of the some of the events that will have you bursting with that pride uh, coming up in one minute. Do you think it's strange how the left seems to hate history and how it's you know, always wanting to rewrite it? It's pretty simple, really. If you cancel the founding fathers and their ideas, you can cancel our form of government, the American experiment. Everything's just a racist plot. Out with the old, in with the new dystopia. Well, if you want to give kids a chance to resist the bad ideas we're talking about here, then you need to, of course, learn the stories. They need to understand the ideas behind the great American experiment. Once they learn those, they'll know what our country is about, and they'll be prepared to defend it. The Tuttle Twins' new history books use storytelling to teach the powerful ideas and stories behind America's founding. They're beautifully illustrated, and they're books that your kids are going to love. My kids love them, and they love to read them all the time. Uh, check them out, TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Order the book, and you'll get entry info and uh, official rules for a new vacation giveaway they're, go- they're doing right now to-, to see historical sites around Boston. You're going to love this idea as well. It's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Order the book, get the giveaway details. No purchase is necessary to enter the g- giveaway. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com and get more information. It's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Here's Pat and Stu for Glenn uh, on the Glenn Beck Program. So triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Over the weekend, there was a bunch of uh, pride events, and uh, the White House was celebrating, and couldn't have been prouder. I, I guess. In, in fact, on the White House was displayed uh, the pride flag, 
prominently, if we could show that, um, more prominently than the American flag. Yeah, it was in the middle. It was in the middle. For those radio listeners, in the middle uh, was the pride (laughs) flag. On the outside were the American flags. Which is against the code. The code says, now it does say on a staff that the the U.S. flag has to be in the middle and uh, higher than the flags on either side, than the state flags or the locality flags or whatever organization flag you have. And so uh, this was a clear violation of that. But I'm sure they'll just say, well, that's not on a staff. Okay. You just draped it over a railing. And I guess you called it good because you got the pride flag in the middle, which is not supposed to happen. (laughs) No. Uh, Look, sometimes this stuff just happens. Sometimes I think they're just intentionally (laughs) gaslighting. And that had to be what this was. I mean, had to be. They know. Of course they They realize that half the country is going to be angered at the idea that you put the pride flag in the middle as if it's this the real focus. And then the American flag on the sides as if it's some little sideshow. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And when you complain about it, they'll call you a hater. I know, and I'm a, and a xenophobe, and a hobophobe, and a transphobe. Because you see it, and of course you're annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. But then, in addition, mm-hmm. like I don't want to give them the satisfaction of the reaction that they want, which I is know. they clearly are trying to get people to talk, to get angry about this. It's blatantly obvious what they're doing here. Well, it worked in my case. It, it worked, worked in my I'm case too. Pissed. I mean, I just hate I'm to so tired give them what they want. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. It's just silly. I mean, look, it is. you can obviously do all the things they say they want to do, right? The things they say they want to do is to give uh, equal rights to people, which every conservative agrees with. Mm-hmm. Everyone deserves yeah. yep. equal, not mm-hmm. equity rights, but equal rights. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wants that. You can do that. You can treat people fairly. You can mm-hmm. treat people with respect. Mm-hmm. You can treat people with empathy. You can treat people with all the things they say that they actually want to treat people with without being this completely ridiculous. You do not need to go yep. this over the top. You do not need to be, uh, you do not need to displace the American flag to do it. Yep. Although, I don't know, the way they act, maybe you do. You do maybe you do have to upend every foundation of this country to attempt uh, mm. to accomplish what they're doing. And that shows you what they're doing is maybe not central to what we're what what the formation of the country was designed to do. And what was it that Michelle said years ago? Um, and Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. We are going to have to change our change conversation. conversation. Uh, we're going to have uh, to change, change our, our traditions, traditions, our history. Our we're going to have to move, move into a different place. Man, if mm. they haven't accomplished that, I I don't know what. It has been accomplished at any time, anywhere, because that is done. That's such a great point, because we were all called, mm. you know, fear mongers and conspiracy theorists. And why are you playing that? She just was making a speech. And that's no big deal. But that is exa- exactly what they were trying to do mm-hmm. and exactly what they've accomplished. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, yeah. But I think faster and and more stunningly than anybody could have ever foreseen. Yeah, I mean, as you're watching the Ben Franklin statue come down in the town square to tell me they didn't try to actually do this. Oh, man. I mean, oh, you, man. even people who were hardcore abolitionists had their their statues t- torn down. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, the guy was kind of known for his anti-slavery stances. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was it's a notable part yeah. of his backstory. Somewhat, somewhat notable. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Although, when you talk Abraham Lincoln, the first thing they'll jump on is, I wasn't about slavery. The Civil War was never about slavery. Shut up. It eventually was. And it didn't start out maybe that way. He wanted to save the Union, which, you know, drag him outside and beat him with clubs for that. (laughs) He wanted to save the Union. What a horrible thing. No wonder wonder the left hates him today. I know. He wanted to save the Union. I know. No wonder. But he had a big conversion during his presidency. Huge. That... Uh, he was so committed to ending slavery that despite all of his cabinet, all of his advisors, everybody telling him, don't do the Emancipation Proclamation. You can't do that right now. Let's just win the war first, and then we'll, we'll worry about it. He wouldn't. He wouldn't wait. He was so committed to it that he went against everybody and went ahead and and freed the slaves. Um, so I, I don't want to hear, I wasn't about slavery! Uh, plus, he made many speeches uh, before, during, and um, around his presidency where he was anti-slavery. He was anti-slavery, I believe, his whole life, just more so at one point in his life during his pre- presidency than any other time. But this president... Uh, Real quick on this one. Yeah. They will overlook <clears throat> all sorts of terrible things legitimate genocides they will overlook to <laughs> praise their own left-wing characters in mao. history yeah they'll, they'll praise they'll justify mao. mao they'll justify yeah. uh pol pot they'll justify yep. stalin they'll yes. justify almost anyone when they i mean mm. go to margaret sanger oh my god they'll justify anything that woman did to praise her for letting women abort their children yep Right, like yeah. they they don't they never care about this nuance when it's on their side, when it's talking talking about someone who uh, you know fought the Civil War and saved you know freed the slaves. All of a sudden they're they're all this nuanced historic. But I don't buy that at all. <laughs> they don't care about that. <laughs> they they want to tear it all they down. Don't. Yeah, you know, and that's the yes. central the central thing they're doing here. And like I, you know, you watch this this weekend. They have no shame. There's no, no. shame in what they're doing. They mm-hmm. they want this country. They're ashamed of the nation, if there's any shame that's involved. They're ashamed of it. They're ashamed of what it became. And that's, that mm-hmm. you get that tone exactly out of the Michelle Obama stuff there. That's what she's expressing. We have to change this stuff because we should be ashamed of our history. Instead of just saying, hey, mm-hmm. this has been an overwhelmingly positive thing we've done here. There's been some sidesteps, some missteps here and there. We mm-hmm. can acknowledge those, of course. It's important to do. So we don't repeat them. Right. You know, for example, like I think one of the things that we absolutely should acknowledge is we should not make decisions based on skin color. That's never been a good outcome for any society, which is why I oppose them doing it now. This is why, like, I find it there to be a problem Mm -hmm. with uh, their entire philosophy, which is now make decisions based on skin color. That's why I oppose it. We've gone down that road. It's a terrible idea. It works out awfully every single time it's attempted. Okay, well, what if we make decisions based on somebody's sexual preference? No. What if we do that? No. No? Equal rights. Oh, weird. Give people equal rights. Don't weird. make decisions based on their sexual preference. <laughs> That's, uh, I don't know, a pretty baseline thing that I, th- I really did at one point think we at least said we believed in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that everyone hit that standard, but you know, it's hard to hit that standard for many. But, like, we'd all say we wanted it. Like, the utopia was colorblind. Now that's compl- now colorblind's a bad thing to say. You can't even bring mm-hmm. it up. I mean, that is a massive change in our society. And again, that's mm-hmm. all pretty much since Barack Obama, I would argue. 
yes, those you know critical race theory certainly precedes Barack Obama, but for be it, that idea being mainstreamed does seem like that all came along mm-hmm. since Barack and Michelle decided they wanted to change our traditions and our history. Yeah, and successfully did so. Uh, and Biden, but Biden is really finishing the job. I think um, he had a nice <clears throat> speech over the weekend where he talked about uh, gay marriage. Um, cut seven. Uh, here's what he had to say. As commander in chief, I was proud to have ended the ban on transgender Americans. What? Transgender wait, Americans wait, 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 serving wait, stop. in the United what was States military. What were any of those words? <laughs> I didn't. Those were none of those were English words. I mean, that was just a big. He took a bunch of letters and threw them in a blender. Is what that was. I think of how he misses mispronounces six of eight words there. At least, at least. I played again. Right. Let's see how many. Because uh, he definitely calls transgender <laughs> transgester. Yeah, yeah. Listen to transgender in I particular. That. That's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> As Commander-in-Chief, I was proud to have ended the ban on transgender Americans, what? transgender Trans- Americans serving in the United States military. Americans. Those transgesters, uh, he ended the ban on them. He legitimately just butchers oh my God. seven or eight syllables in a row. I yeah. mean, he really just misses all of them. I, I don't even, what did he even say? I'm sorry, Pat, I missed the whole context of this clip. I now. have no idea what he's trying to say there. <laughs> he ended a ban on, I, I what ban? Was there a ban on transgesters? Yeah, there was. That he entered, yes. ended. I, you know, Pat, I, I don't want to look. I, I, I hesitate to say this because I know we're on national radio right now. But mm-hmm. I support a transgender ban. You do? Yes. I don't. I don't okay. think we should ever come up with what a transgender <laughs> is. If society tries to create something that fits that trans, uh, I mean, what is that? Someone who has transitioned into being a court jester? <laughs> <laughs> or are you trans? Are you transitioning away from being right, a court that. jester? I Either don't, way, I don't know. I think if you're a court jester, you should know. remain a court jester. <laughs> and if you're if you're a normal, average citizen, you should not be able to become a court jester. That's my stance, and I know it's hateful in this day and age. Mm, it's a good safety tip, though. I like <laughs> it. It's jester. What is it with this guy? Uh, like, you know, oh, well, he's got a stutter. Remember that was yeah. that was the pitch for a yeah. while. He's got a stutter. <laughs> now it's uh, they they came up with this other thing that my and this is even better. I gotta say from from the campaign, and of course the White House they'll just run whatever 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 the White House says they'll just run it in like the New York Times as mm-hmm. a, as a, as, it's, as if it's true. Their mm-hmm. new one is we know whenever you see him he does this. We know whenever you see him he bumbles over every word. He's completely incoherent. You can't understand him. He's awful. But what you don't understand is every time you can't see him he's incredible. Yeah, behind he's, the scenes, Behind man. the scenes this guy's in so sharp. So sharp, sharp as a tack. They all say mm-hmm. it. It's become a mm-hmm. bit of a mantra. He's a sh- as, as sharp, sharp as, as a tack. You get, that's a mantra. People, pattern are, mm-hmm. are standing around the White House having conversations around the water cooler. You know what I noticed today? Uh, Joe Biden, he's sharp as tack. Now, he's a bumbling <laughs> fool in front of people. When there are cameras around, uh-huh. a complete and utter disgrace as a, as a president that you've probably noticed. But when you can't see him, mm-hmm. he's basically like Stephen Hawking in his prime. Like every single word, he knows everything. He, mm-hmm. Everything he says is perfect. He never has to restate something because he called them transgesters. And so that doesn't <laughs> happen behind the scenes. He's perfect there. The only place we can't provide any evidence. Isn't that so unfortunate for us? 
We can't mm-hmm. provide evidence of his perfection because it's behind closed doors, Pat. That is ah! weird. What they should do is start recording all of the closed door uh, meetings. That's classified. Pat. Those are, those are okay. classified right. meetings, unfortunately. <laughs> ah, so, so, ah, we were so close. It. We were so close Darn to being it. able I to thought show we came you. up with a solution there mm-hmm. to show his genius, but I guess not. Uh, yeah, so that's the transgender ban. Uh, we'll we'll get to what he had to say about marriage uh, coming up in uh, one minute. Oh my gosh! All right, well things are falling apart a little bit if you haven't noticed, uh, and a lot of them, you know, you, you know, look, even the best uh, ideas can go down the tubes when things start to fall apart. You need to be able to make investments uh, into yourself, to your family, for when things can go awry. And one of the most important things you can do is invest in food security. That way, when the lines at the grocery store around the block and there's not much to get inside anyway because the trucks aren't running well you and your family uh will be sitting at home is secure in the knowledge that you've got what you need to survive that's why i always talk about uh getting a three-month emergency food kit from my patriot supply with each kit that you order you're going to be saving 200 bucks as well it's a great opportunity to get one for really every family member it includes breakfasts lunches dinners drinks and snacks that provide over 2,000 calories a day and it's great food you're going to enjoy the whole family is going to love it plus it lasts up to 25 years in storage so you'll always have a backup don't delay order your three-month emergency food kit today and save 200 dollars per kit it's easy to order just go to mypatriotsupply.com you'll get fast and free shipping as well do this today or you'll regret it tomorrow. It's MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. Uh, all right. So he had something else to say uh, about the Pride Weekend, and uh, he focused on, on marriage. And here's what he said. When a person can be married in the morning mm-hmm. and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, something is still very wrong in America. You know how, how often that happens. Well, oh, yeah. The, uh, when you're married in the morning and then you go to the restaurant, for some reason you're going to a restaurant after your marriage. And you had uh, a morning marriage, yeah, which you is had a morning too, marriage, I mean, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And then in the afternoon, uh, you've gone to... Uh, Applebee's, <laughs> Hardee's, whatever. And you're, getting- and you're thrown out of that restaurant. <laughs> right. I mean, I would say this happens to 85% of gay people. 85% of gay people who go through marriages mm-hmm. wind up getting thrown out of a restaurant later that day. That same that's day. too many. Yeah, it's too many. Too many. It is. That is too many. It should be around 25 or 30%. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> stupid. The number is 0%, so by the way. Right. 0%. This, this doesn't happen. I would say, I mean, I, I just It's illegal, by the way. Yeah, it would be illegal illegal to do that you can't throw gay people out of restaurants because they're gay yeah where is that happening give me one example of it right i would say i don't know let's say the last decade there have been zero examples of what he just talked about right a morning marriage mm-hmm. directly <laughs> into getting thrown out of a restaurant because you're gay i don't think that's ever happened i don't know maybe you know it probably i would say this probably mm-hmm. never happened in our nation's history Right? You're probably right. And I would say, first of all, for a long time, you couldn't mm-hmm. get married to someone of the same sex, right? Right. Since that's yes. been allowed, we're only talking about basically a decade, a little bit longer, if you want to call it civil unions. And in that time, I would just be uh. very surprised if like 7 a.m. they're taking nuptials. Okay. And then, <laughs> then 2 in the noon, afternoon, like, oh, get out. Get, get out. thrown out of this restaurant. I mean, most people go on a honeymoon. <laughs> 
Maybe if they went on a honeymoon to one of the hundred countries that ban gay gay marriage completely, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they went to like Nigeria and they were like, get out Saudi of our Arabia. Restaurant. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what happened. I, I don't know. I'm going to say it's never happened. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Me too. You're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to prove that one to me. Uh, but if it has happened, it's happened very infrequently, Pat. And First it of all, people happen. don't schedule morning weddings very often. <laughs> don't. No, they don't. And then secondarily, <laughs> especially one that would be followed by a lunch at a restaurant, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. they, you'd think you'd have a reception, mm-hmm. right? So your reception, you're having like a breakfast buffet in this scenario. I guess you're getting pancakes and you know bagels. <laughs> you're getting so you're getting you get married at 7 a.m goes Uh to 8 at 8 a.m breakfast buffet for for everyone who's in the wedding party and the guests right then you're starving dancing again again at like 10 yeah i mean it seems really unlikely that's how you work up the appetite for the afternoon meal where you (laughs) go to the restaurant and at like 12 30 you're at uh you know you're at uh, fuddruckers and they're throwing you out (laughs) <laughs> this is really whatever world he's talking about here is a terrible world it is i will say it is <laughs> we don't live in that world but apparently he does <laughs> so oh my gosh come it's on it's agonizing stop isn't it stop with this i, I mean it's really infuriating and they, and they act as if like what well, it's the, the it's like they act as if you know i don't know protesting bud light because you don't like their ad campaign or or protesting target is like the equivalent of the Holocaust. It's like, look, you are basically calling Christians and the things they believe uh, on the carpet and telling them that they're not allowed to believe them publicly anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. and like, you might think that's the right thing to do. Uh, I would disagree with that analysis, but like, to act as if it's this, you know, cataclysmic, you know war it's like ridiculous there has never been a better time to be lgbtqqia2 plus ever kidding all we're doing is celebrating them celebrating it and promoting it this whole month a month and then as we talked about on friday there's a you know a hundred other days during the course of the year where you celebrate it again because it's some special lgbtqqia2 plus day i you're right. There's never been a better time. But there's still something wrong in America when you can get married in the morning, get thrown out of a restaurant in the afternoon. Maybe the manager of that restaurant just wants you to be on your honeymoon. He's yeah, like, you guys, need guys to get what out are you doing? Here. You're still wearing your wedding <laughs> you clothes. Just, uh, don't you have a cruise to get right. to or something? Come on. Get out of here. <laughs> The Glenn Beck Program. All right, let me tell you uh, about Rough Greens. You know, I've been sitting in the studio with uh, Glenn off and on for a lot of years. Well, over 30. It's been about 33 years, actually. And uh, there's three things I know that he really loves. God, his wife and family, and our country. But I think number four is his dog. He loves Uno. Uh, and that's why he's so happy he ran into naturopathic doctor Dennis Black, founder and creator of Rough Greens. It's not a dog food, but a dog supplement that can bring your dog's food back to life. It's great stuff. And my dog won't eat her food without Rough Greens on it. Dog food is dead food, plain and simple. We've heard that uh, 
for a while now. And Rough Greens brought Uno back to life, basically. Made all the difference in the world. So, try it. Get a trial bag right now at roughgreens.com slash Beck or call 833-GLED33. That's roughgreens.com slash Beck or call 833-GLED33. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn and subscribe. If you use the promo code Glenn, you'll save 10 bucks. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn today. Uh, CNN's still reporting the White House is completely silent on the Trump investigation. Oh, it's understandable, Pat. Yeah, because they they had nothing to do with this. Nothing. Completely, completely devoid of any involvement. Well, but that's not even enough because you and I have nothing to do with it, right? We're not in the Dust Justice Department. Mm-hmm, it's, right. it's more than that. They were completely unaware that it was unaware. even going on. Yeah. They, it, it came as a shock, a shock to, to them. them. They found out the same way you and I did, Pat. <laughs> in the news. In the These news. These things just come out by mm-hmm. people that they've appointed and there's just so locked down mm-hmm. that, you know, Merrick Garland doesn't know anything about it, probably. He doesn't. He certainly didn't tell anything to Joe Biden, well, there's no. definitely no way to communicate that. No. So they just were like constantly taken by surprise. <laughs> These things are going on that happen to completely align so, with all of the things they want to happen in the world. Right. Which is just, yeah, what yeah. a great, I mean, that's just great, you know? Isn't it? Uh, it's just wonderful. They just, every time they need something to happen, the people they've hired make it happen. do it. Without, yeah. totally, Without them knowing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's... Without a word being exchanged between mm. the agencies. Mm-hmm. It's just great that, uh, you know, they are that ethical. Uh, they they don't... See, I, I think Joe Biden didn't even want to know about this. That's, that's how buttoned up all of this is, because he didn't want this to be any sort of political arrangement at all, some sort of political prosecution. So I'm sure that when he got wind... That any of this was even a possibility. Mm-hmm. He said, look, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. What? Don't even don't even walk down the hall and tell me it's on the way. Don't even do that. I'll find out on the news, just like the rest of America. Mm-hmm. It's really great that he has that sort of discipline, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. people might, might and this, is, this would be wrong, of course, but people might think that the ability for a president to try to destroy his lead opponent would be questionable, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. they would think that's controversial. Maybe they would think some of those activities were ill-advised for the benefit of the you know foundation of the country. Right. And those people would be wrong because, of course, we know Joe Biden knew nothing about this. <laughs> nothing. Well, they said it. They, they said, said it, it clearly. So and then Merrick Garland was like, I'm not going to get... That's why we have a special mm-hmm. counsel. He's not going to tell me anything. And no one's going to know. Mm-hmm. No one's going to know if anything is coming. I mean, would it... Taking ourselves out of sarcasm mode here for a second. Wouldn't it, <laughs> wouldn't it be almost irresponsible for a president to be unaware of something like this? Like, the president... What the president's role in this should be is pressuring them not to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's going to make me look terrible. Mm-hmm. because everyone's going to think I'm responsible for it. Not to mention, it shakes the foundation of the country. Half the country now does not believe in the FBI or the DOJ or any of these other three-letter agencies. 
You've, you've taken the, the respectability of these institutions and flushed it down the toilet for your own political benefit. And the, the only argument Joe Biden should be making behind the scenes is just please don't. I know he had the stupid documents or whatever he was doing. Stop it. Like that, the him holding on to documents is not worth, as they would say, the juice is not worth the squeeze. That's a that's a beautiful. What was that? Beautiful expression. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. That was was like uh, that. some yeah. uh, that was that happened to uh, the reason I was in my mind is there was a uh, <laughs> speech at some college recently where mm-hmm. where they uh, you know some conservative was I don't know trying to make some sane comment and the left came out and they were like protesting and not letting them speak and they said yes we can allow a speaker like that but is the juice worth the squeeze (laughs) and the answer to that in their mind was no no no, you should not let anybody if if they're going to protest us then shut everybody up it's not worth it um but in this case uh it's a good question because i don't know i i don't know is is document storage worth setting the flag on fire i don't know probably not Probably not, in Probably my not. mind. because Although they're saying these were such sensitive documents now. They had nuclear secrets. They had secrets about attacking another country. Blah, 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 but, blah, but, blah, but blah. But to be clear, they have two instances of this being shared, too. Mm-hmm. One of them is with a biographer, which I don't know. I would guess every freaking uh, uh, newspaper that's complaining mm. about this would be excited to report all the details from these documents in a report if they met the guy in a parking garage and were able to get a Pulitzer out of it. You know they, they would. all would put it on the front page yep. of the New York Times if they had the chance. Yeah, they would. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so to a biographer, to prove a point um, about in his defense uh, over uh, an accusation from General Milley about the war, and he said, look, I have a document that showed that Milley came up with a war plans. Here it is. Now, mm-hmm. is that a Again, is this a self-inflicted wound? This is a totally different conversation maybe we can have later. Does Trump mm. tend to put himself in a situation where he, yeah, he inflicts does. wounds on himself? Yes, he does. He does. But but like fundamentally, that's one <clears throat> example where I would argue every biography written with the help of a president at the very least is going to get this information, whether they see the document or not, because it's in a, in a presidential storage or if it's, you know, storage of the record, you know, with the records in Washington, whatever. But that was all it was. The second one was he was sent again, making an argument um, to someone, I guess, to his in his pack. And he starts to show him, tell him the story about the document, starts to show it to him and then says, wait a minute, this is classified. You should probably stay away from it. Like, keep your distance. Trump, Mm -hmm. in the indictment, it says it, that Trump says, yeah, you should probably keep your distance from this. Don't get too close, I think is the word he says, is a phrasing he uses. Essentially saying like, "Eh, you're probably not supposed to see this. And he realized it sort of midstream and decided to keep the guy away from it. Now, those are the two examples they have in the indictment. That's it. That's, that is the risk that they say Mm -hmm. has been, uh, has been brought to us over this incident. Now, yeah, they can show you pictures of boxes in a bathroom, in a bathroom, or and they that have. obviously wasn't being used. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was not a an active bathroom for pe- patrons. <laughs> um, you know, they can say he was careless, but they don't have any evidence that anything happened here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, they're acting as if it's the the worst thing that's ever occurred in our history. And they're saying things like nuclear secrets and all this. And I, you know, I caution anyone, and not that I probably have to caution anyone in this audience, Pat, but like, this is an indictment. This is not, we don't, they haven't had a chance to give you a defense yet. 
You can't just look at this and believe everything inside. If you did this, you'd think Donald Trump was a Russian agent that got peed on by prostitutes. Right? Like, you, you mm-hmm. like there's, at this point in the investigation, they always say they have everything locked down. Of course, that's what they're saying. They may, in this case, if you believe the indictment, they have really good evidence against Donald Trump on this crime. Whether it should rise to the level that we're talking about is a totally different thing. But he hasn't even been able to defend himself yet which is part of the design of this right because you know yeah. likely he won't be able to defend himself yeah. till after the election yeah that's probably true i this will stretch on till you you got to believe until after the election which at least legally right yeah he can make a, <clears throat> a public plea to say hey this guy's coming after me he's been doing this the entire time i think a lot of america will believe that mm-hmm. uh, and i think it's true which is a good reason to believe it. Yep. Uh, I think he will say, you know, he will come up with a bunch of other reasons why he had these documents and why it was okay. And some of them will be believable and some of them will probably not. And all but, of that will help him with the nomination. Yeah. Probably will it help will. him in the general? Probably not. Probably not. And, that, and of course. And that's what we're going to have to decide. There are many who've pointed out this is the plan, right? Yeah. You try to yes. get, you put Trump in a position where he is damaged to the general election, but helped in the primary. So yes. his so opponents can't win primary. in the primary. Yeah. And then he can't win in the general. Now, this is a risky game, one that they've already lost before, right? They lost this game in 2016, where they clearly tried to elevate Trump in the primary to win it, which mm-hmm. he did, and then thought they could defeat him in the general, which they did not. So this is not a good idea if you want if your goal is to keep Donald Trump out of the White House. You know, if you really think the country is uh, you know at risk, uh, he's a unique risk to our republic. If you actually believe that, you would not be elevating him in the primary, right? Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't do that, mm-hmm. obviously, because fundamentally, when you come, it comes down to a one-on-one situation. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Something can go crazy in the last couple of weeks of the campaign, which it kind of did in 2016. There's all sorts of news that broke in October of 2016. You can't control it. It's out of your control when it gets to that level. People always talk about what an incredible, like, you know, wow, what an incredible victory uh, it was to come out over Hillary Clinton. And it was a, a politically impressive feat. But I would argue that the, the, the primary was much more difficult for Donald Trump. Like that was, you had a lot of good candidates. You had a lot of good people running against him. You had uh, you know, a big field. There's a lot to overcome there. Just beating Hillary Clinton one-on-one is something that Donald Trump could do. Beating 17 Republican candidates, you know, f- seven of them maybe were pretty good. Yeah. That was tough. Yeah. And he did that. Uh, so bet against him, you know, at your own risk. It's true. It's really true. This time, though, there's going to be... You know, there there's going to be some questions about the sitting president, too. Uh, so while Trump may have issues if he wins the nomination in a general, Biden's got plenty as well. I mean, he's got he's got the scandals. He's got the Hunter, the Hunter Biden stuff. He's got the uh, bribery scandal to deal with. He's got his dementia issue to deal with. I mean, if it's those two against each other. I still kind of like Trump's chances, even with all this baggage hmm. uh, going on. But who knows? Who, who knows? Uh, a lot can happen between now and the election, that's for sure. And uh, this criminal case against uh, Trump is now being handled and overseen by a Trump-appointed judge, Aileen Cannon. 
So the left is going crazy over that, and they're thinking that uh, she can't be she she can't be neutral in this. She can't uh, she can't uh, actually oversee justice in this particular case. But if this were a a Biden appointed judge or uh, an Obama appointed judge, they wouldn't have any problem with that. No, right? They wouldn't even mention it. The criticism it wouldn't be a problem. This was something that Donald Trump pointed out. When he said, "Hey, you know, there's a this judge that's got with me in this case is against me. He hates Trump. You know, he says stuff like that all the time. Whenever, mm-hmm. really, whenever there's a case like this, mm-hmm. he says that. And without fail, the left co- says it's against the country's, you know, democracy. Right? They say it's right. You know, it's some racist attack against the, you know, the the, the nation's foundations." And then when Trump gets a good judge or one that is likely to be more friendly or understanding of, of what he's trying to do here, then that's it's perfectly okay to make that criticism. They don't care at all. I mean, it's so see-through. I guess that's yeah, my they, problem with it. Yeah. It's like they're not even trying. Yeah, the hypocrisy is outrageous. 888-727-BECK. More patents too for Glenn coming up. All right, 9-11. It was America's darkest day, filled with carnage and sorrow. But born on that day, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. He's been, uh, it's been helping America's heroes ever since. Sometimes the um, you know, military service members and first responders don't come home. And when they don't, uh, you know, the, the effects of that really hit not only them, of course, but the family as well. When young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers steps in. They pay the mortgage on the family home to help lift the financial burden. And for catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, they build mortgage-free smart homes that can help these heroes move around more independently. Their veteran homelessness program provided housing and services to more than 500 in 2022 and more than 1,500 in 2023 so far, expanding rapidly because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or in war, deserve our nation's gratitude. It's all done through your help, and those people who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need it more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. It's T, the number two, T.org, T2T.org. Glenn Beck. Welcome to it. It is Patent Stew for Glenn. Uh, looks like Bud Light sales plunged in May, and so that toppled the beer brand from its longtime perch as the nation's best-selling brew. How about that? Is it the actual whole company or just <laughs> Bud Light? No, just Bud Light. Okay. Just Bud Light. Uh, Anheuser-Busch sold $297 million worth of Bud Light. That still seems like a lot in one month. That's for the four-week period that ended May 28th. Almost $300 million worth of sales. Um, but that's a 23% drop from the same time period the year before. Uh, the one that took over was Modelo Especial. Especial. Ranked number one in May with uh, $333 million in sales. 15% increase from the year before. I, I wonder if that had anything to do with uh, Cinco de Mayo. In May, yeah, yeah. Although I guess it's comparing it to the year before, so that would be May no, as well. No, that's true. Yeah, um, but it huh. may, may have helped them. 
uh, certainly a 15% increase over May for that particular brand is going to be strong. You would think it'd be like, I don't know, Miller Lite or mm, one of those, Coors Light. Uh, what's the other one that nobody, I don't think anybody knows. Is it Michelob? Michelob it's also Ultra. O- owned by Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, Michelob right? Ultra is like a, a competitor <clears throat> to Bud Light and Coors Light, but that's also owned by. Uh, and that's Bud not been affected at all, right? I think it's gone up, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, what makes this stuff really difficult for people is that none of the, you're not, there's no other brand that you're going to be happy with if you go down this road. Like, yes. you know, like you, you go to Bud yes. Light, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to go to Michelob Ultra. Well, of course, that's owned by Bud Light. Okay, I'm going to go to uh, uh, Miller Light. Well, Miller Light also did a trans commercial a while ago. We didn't notice it at the time, right? right? They, we just they didn't did a it. big female thing where females have been brewing beer for longer than men or whatever, yeah. and it was like an in-your-face to males yeah, that was the Miller Light thing. one. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And so everyone was like, okay, well, what about that? And then, but of course, that's a sister of Coors Light. I don't remember which if they've done one in particular. And I bet Coor, they have. The Coors family is known as a, like a Republican-leaning family, but still, you yeah. know, that, that's a... Huh. You know, still like, still. and like, you know, I, I, uh, to Target's a great one. And like a lot of people I've talked to are, are boycotting Target and they're mm-hmm. going to, you know, the, the easy, obvious substitute of that is Walmart. And then the other day, you know, I, I get the Walmart marketing emails. And it's like pride month, buy something <laughs> with a rainbow on it. <laughs> And it's like, all right, like they're all. There's just no way around it. Yeah, they're all there. That's why you have to. Yeah. I, you know, I think drawing the line at kids mm. makes a big difference to me. You yes. know, um, yeah, I understand. Like, I'm not going to go crazy. Like, thir- 29 of 30 Major League Baseball teams have a Pride Night. Yeah. Uh, the Texas Rangers are the one that that do not. Uh, but like, you know, I have a Pride Night. What, you know, like I'm not even going to get that worked up about that at this point. Uh, it's like, mm-hmm. do when you're when you're doing what the Dodgers did. Then that's a problem. That's, that's a huge line, you yeah. know. Um, right. So I don't know. That's big that's the big thing to, for all of us to figure out. All right. Thanks so much, Hillary. Appreciate it. Uh, let me tell you about Home Title Lock. Home Title Lock is a great company because they protect uh, something really important to you: your home. If you haven't checked your home's title in a while. That would be very normal. You should not be spending a lot of time checking your home's title. That's a, That would be a weird thing to do. Um, I will say that if you don't do it, you're really, really vulnerable. Um, that's why Home Title Lock exists, because they just, put, they just monitor it all the time for you. So you don't have to worry about it. They can worry about it. Home Title Lock has protected thousands of homes against uh, home title fraud. And, and this basically means like a hacker gets control of your documents. And if you think about the, you know, what's at the fundamental baseline of a real estate transaction, it's a bunch of sig- signatures on paper, right? And that transfers ownership. Well, if they find that paper and they say that you sold them, uh, you sold your house to them, some hacker can file that paperwork and all of a sudden you're not in control of your home, your home's equity. There's, there's one case of, of a home being bulldozed because someone else actually owned it. It's incredible. Uh, HomeTitleLock.com is the place to go. The code is Beck. HomeTitleLock.com. The code is Beck. Get 30 risk-free days of protection when you use that promo code Beck at HomeTitleLock.com. It's HomeTitleLock.com.
What you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. With Pat and Stu Forklin today, uh, interesting poll about what Republicans would like to hear from Donald Trump during the primary. Uh, we'll get to that in 60 seconds. Well, we've got another data breach to report. Uh, Managed Care of North America, uh, a major insurance company, suffered a data breach that exposed the personal information of nearly 9 million patients. Hackers had access from February 26th to March 7th, enough time to get the full names, addresses, birth dates, driver's license numbers, phone numbers, social security numbers, protected health information. Uh, I guess they needed LifeLock. Look, it's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. We do everything online these days, and you don't want to cut internet safety out of the budget. Get 25% off a subscription to LifeLock. It's a top of the line in cybersecurity with both preventative measures to keep you safe and access to a restoration team if you do end up having your information hacked into. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. 800 LifeLock or head to lifelock.com. The promo code is back for 25% off. It's lifelock.com. All right, so what do Republicans uh, want to hear from Donald Trump during the during the primary season? Freestyle rap. Okay. That won the poll. Is that number 1? Number 1. Wow. Freestyle rap, which was wow. a surprise uh, for me. It is yeah, a surprise. You know, I did not think huh. that's where they would go. Now yeah. there's uh, three categories that okay. they asked about. And this goes to something, man, if I have heard this once, I have heard it a million times from people in this audience who, when we were talking about politics, you we run into you, you know, out in, uh, in the real world, um, you know, uh, messages, uh, tweets, all of this. They say, what do you want to hear about from Donald Trump? And the questions are, what happened in 2020? Investigations against Donald Trump. Or plans for the country. Those are the three things that they want that they polled here. And here's what the poll. This comes from YouGov, by the way. Uh, what happened in 2020? 32 percent of likely GOP primary voters want to hear more from Donald Trump about what happened in 2020. Wow. 68 percent said they would not. How about investigations against him? 39 uh-huh. percent uh, say they would like to hear more from Donald Trump about. Uh, the investigations against Donald Trump. Okay. 61% say, no thanks. We, we don't want to hear any more about that. Plans for the country. Mm, plans for the country. What a concept. What does the future look like? What, what are you going to okay. do if you're in office again? Mm-hmm. 96% say they would oh, like geez. to hear more from Donald Trump about that. 4% yes. say they would not. Uh, no, I don't know what <laughs> percentage because they you know that. You don't want to hear his plans for the country. No, I, I, wanna huh. be, I like to be surprised. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't want to hear uh, the what, what happens at the end of the finale of succession. I, wa- okay. I want to be surprised when it happens. Hmm. Just like this. When I elect a president, I want to be like, whoa, he did what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he was for higher taxes the whole time? Wait, I shouldn't have voted Wait, for him. Right. If I would have known that. <laughs> uh, of course, you want to hear something. I, I think this is a, an interesting measure though and it's it's honestly it even bigger than i thought it would be and i i don't want to hear about 2020 anymore is it just yeah it's obviously not just me 68 percent of us don't want to yeah and i i'm among them i just I, think that's I'm, understandable even though yeah, you I'm might done with it a lot of people still think you know look there's real problems there and uh, you know we, that's been yeah, but 
uh, we've been let's talking about forward. that for a while, but like, yeah, let's move if, forward into something. If that's the game you play now where you gather, you know, you go in and you offer rides to old people and take them to the polls and you harvest ballots legally, if that's possible, then do that. Play the game that the Democrats are doing, but I don't want to hear about 2020 anymore. Yeah, I would say if anything, like if, if there's any real th- thing that I care about when it comes to that is like, how do you... What are you going to do to solve these things in the future? Yeah, like for example, let's say there were problems, and I think there were some problems. Um, yeah, what are you going to do to solve it? Yeah, that's well, what I'd like to hear. I don't about. need to hear about what happened in twenty twenty yeah. all over again. What you are know, we going to do differently so we can win this time? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that I think would be really interesting to hear from Donald Trump <laughs> is the man was president of the United States for four years leading mm-hmm. up to this election. Why wasn't more done to prevent the things that he's worried about? I mean, I would mm. point specifically to changes at the state level and law. Mm. Like, why was this not more of a focus of his legal team to give support to people opposing those rules? I mean, some of it seems mm. like he didn't even think about it until after the election had already taken place. And we know that because he didn't oppose them when they went took place and then tried to oppose them after the election. Yeah. Legally, which gives you almost no chance to win them. Like, when they happen, you have to oppose them. You can't oppose them. Like, why was no one on his team looking out for this? I don't expect Donald Trump to be an expert on every election law in every state, but, like, he needs to have an infrastructure around him to catch these things before the first Tuesday in November. Yeah. Is there a plan and, in place to do that? Uh, right. Is there a plan in place? Because now you know about it, and you don't want to go into the the election doing the same thing we did last time and then complain about it again afterwards. So what are we doing to fix that problem? That should be, that should be uppermost in the Republican party's mind right now. Yeah. Now are you going to fix it? I was actually surprised to see only 39% said investigations against him would be Mm -hmm. a topic because I do think that is central (laughs) to his argument to becoming president. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, he, we know his policies. He was already president. We know a lot of the policies of his competitors, which are pretty darn similar to his, frankly, yeah. policy-wise. Yeah. There's not that much. You know, he obviously is uh, doesn't doesn't look to limit spending on, on a lot of these bigger entitlement programs. That's not his speed. That's different than some of the other Republicans, some of the other Republicans. Um, and, and Donald Trump is making that contrast in his own political ads, right? You know, mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis wants to uh, cut spending. He wants to uh, take away benefits from uh, some people, even though DeSantis sort of ignore, you know, denies some of this. That's sort of the attack on DeSantis. It has been an attack largely from the left mm-hmm. when it comes on spending, right? Trump's approach to DeSantis has been he's he wants to shrink Medicare. He wants to shrink Medicaid. He wants to shrink uh, and really, Social Security. Really, he says he does not want to do those things. Yeah, DeSantis says he doesn't, but still, mm-hmm. that's that's where Trump has gone after him. Yeah, right. And of course, we've seen this stuff more recently. Of like, you know, maybe DeSantis, he Trump's perception is he's too um, hardcore on abortion, for example. Um, I don't think you can be too hardcore. On abortion. I don't have a... Yeah, on being pro-life. Not, not a criticism that that yeah. connects with me, but that is something that he's mentioned. Yeah. He's, he, Trump has mentioned it as almost like a problem in the general, right? Like, if you're too harsh on this, in the general, it'll come back to bite you. Of course, I don't see how... The, the voters, I think, if anything, and this, this is to Trump's uh, eternal, and I mean eternal, eternal credit... If anyone's seen as a person associated with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, it's Donald Trump. Yep. You know, I mean, because he yep. put the justices in that made that happen. And I I think it's one of the strongest arguments you can make for Trump's presidency. 
too. So I don't think there's any line that's going to be able to be drawn where Trump is some moderate on abortion. I don't think that the American people are going to to digest that well. I think he's much better off just saying, no, I'm a pro-life president. I did the most pro-life thing that anyone's seen in the last 50 years, Mm -hmm. and I should be given credit for that. I've saved a bunch of children. Seems like a good argument to me. Yeah, it does. But instead, he seems to be a little hesitant on that one. And it could just be, you know, unlike most candidates who run their ideas through focus groups to see what connects, Trump kind of does it publicly. Mm -hmm. You know, he kind of just like Mm -hmm. says stuff and then sees how it floats and sees what goes on with it and then stays with it or runs away from it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right like yeah. It, it, you know he, this is happens with him sometimes and you know mm-hmm. sometimes like he said something he, he says stuff about like guns sometimes uh where he's not particularly you know it's not his expertise he's not a hardcore second amendment uh you know uh, activist that's never been his way he was you know famously very much for gun control for a large part of his life and so when he says stuff that's out of line with what the Second Amendment movement wants, a lot of times he hears about it mm-hmm. and then later on kind of comes around to the right opinion, <laughs> you know, because that's, you know, like he's listening to his voters. He's listening to his supporters. And I think he does that a lot on issues he doesn't really care about that much, right? Like when he's not incredibly passionate about an issue, he's, he's much more malleable. Where like something like trade, where like a lot of people were saying, "Hey, don't do this. Don't put tariffs on." He didn't care. That was that's a core a core Donald Trump belief. He really believed Mm -hmm. it, so he kept them on. Mm -hmm. Um, Where you know these other issues, I think, are secondary to him, and he's more willing to listen to the the voters and kind of go with what 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 they want. So we'll see if that holds up. I don't expect Donald Trump to make an outwardly moderate uh, abortion argument when it comes down to the real core of the campaign. I'll be surprised to see him on stage being like, actually, I think 20 weeks is too strict. Like, I'll be surprised to hear him say something like that. (laughs) I will. Although his, is it six weeks? He does claim six weeks is too strict, right? On on the DeSantis law in Florida. Right. And he's kind of been tough on that. Yeah. And so. But I think that's just getting at DeSantis on something. Right. He's just trying to find something that will hurt DeSantis. Yeah. Also, I think there is an argument to be made. That the six-week ban is too strict for your maximum nationwide vote total, right? Mm. Like, I think you can make that argument that a a good chunk of the country wants more abortion availability than a six-week ban would provide. I also don't care about that. What I care about is children living yeah. So, like, I don't care how many votes it brings in, frankly. Yeah. Yep. It may be a losing issue politically. Mm-hmm. Not that worried about it. I'd be much more worried about em- embracing child death than I would be about losing a few votes. But there is a political calculation there to be made, certainly. This is what politicians do all the time. And, yeah. you know, six weeks, you know, Florida had a 15-week ban, and they lowered it to six weeks. And I think part of the reason they did that is, you know, I don't think DeSantis wanted to walk into a Republican primary with only a 15-week ban. You know, where 98 or 99% of abortions continue. I don't think that was a good look for a Republican candidate coming Mm -hmm. into a primary. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a big part of the reason they lowered that to six weeks, knowing he was about to jump in. So, I I don't know. I mean, I think you... you, it, It will be surprising if Donald Trump takes a 
a, a really lenient stance on this issue. I don't think it's going to please Republican primary voters, but he's got he's still you know got a large lead. So I don't know that it, maybe yeah, he doesn't think it makes a difference. He's planning for 25, the 30 points, right? If not more than that, in some cases, depends on what poll. But I, I think it probably averages about 30 points. Uh, Trump over DeSantis right now. In fact, Trump, according to a poll I saw, I think we talked about it last week. He was ahead by 20 points in Florida, which is incredible. Yeah, that's really surprising. In DeSantis's home state, he's ahead by 20 points. Yeah, wow. The average right wow. now, by the way, um, is 56 for Trump, 56. 23 for okay. DeSantis. 33, 33, 33 points. points. And, you know, the, 33 honestly, points. you're looking back at recent polls, it seems to have gone up <clears throat> over the past month or so. Now, I will say this when you want to give a disclaimer here on, on the primary. Polls can be all over the place at this point. You know, I, I don't know that people are following the primary that closely. I think the debates will kick off that area. If 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 Ron DeSantis can't close this uh, significantly between, you know, I don't know, before the end of the year, put it at the end of the year. I don't. When, are the, when mm-hmm. is the first primary? Do you know off the top of your head, Pat? When is Iowa? Mm, I would think next January, maybe February. Yeah, let's see. Uh, the first debate, though, it, I think is, is it in August or September this year? Yeah, the, the 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 first debates are coming in late summer, early yeah. fall. So that's yeah. going to be, I think, uh, the I, I do think that that is going to be true. I guess the date isn't set yet. Is that right? Still, is that true? They haven't actually really? set the official date. It's going to be the first mm. one, um, or is that just the Democratic side? I don't know. I'll, we'll I think Iowa up. is still first for Republicans. I'm not sure yes. if that's true for Democrats. Still, didn't they? No, change they that? changed that. Yeah, yeah, they did change it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the point is, it's early in 2024. Whenever the date is, and so you feel like by Thanksgiving, this needs to close. Yeah, right? this needs does. to get closer. And yeah. and and DeSantis will have many um, possibility, you know, chances to do this. Assuming Trump goes to the debates, he kind of has hinted that maybe he won't. I'm up by so much, I don't have to. Um, but in reality, you know, he, he should, almost certainly should. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we all deserve. Uh, you know, if you're a Republican primary mm-hmm. voter, you want to see this, right? You want to mm-hmm. see these guys duke it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily need a 17-person debate or a 10-person debate with Donald Trump in it. I would l- rather see, I don't know, tick, pick. Let's do like a bracket A, bracket B situation. Can we do that? If you have like, let's put the top four on a debate stage and then let everyone else debate to see if they can move up to the top four. Like soccer. Yeah. What is that? Well, How they kind of did that last time, didn't they? With no. the adults and the kitty table? They did do the adults and kitty table, but they made them both uh-huh. very large. Yeah. It was both, I mean, I think yeah. it was like 10 and 7 or... You know, eight, yeah, you're nine, right. eight. four would be. Yeah. That's a good number. Yeah, yeah. We'll and see. people would be pissed off if they get left out of that. Yeah. I get it, but oh, they will. Uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. More coming up in one minute. There's nothing quite as satisfying as knowing that everyone in the house is asleep, but you. Mm, I love lying there in bed, looking up at the ceiling, and listening to the clock on the wall tick. Right after tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, over and over and over again. Oh, the feeling the next day just priceless. Um, now it's a, a tad sarcastic. I think maybe you want to instead try Relief Factor Sleep. Relief Factor is a great product we've talked about many, many times, but they've got uh, something called Relief Factor Sleep as well. It's just like the regular Relief Factor, uh, you know, for you to uh, deal with your pain. Uh, Relief Factor Sleep is 100% drug free. It was made with a blend of natural ingredients and designed to promote healthy sleep by reducing anxiety and distress, improving your mood, and promoting relaxation. 
Um, check it out. The first bottle is only $19.95, 20 bucks to get the feeling of complete relaxation and contentment as you drift away to dreamland and then feel refreshed and rejuvenated the next morning. That's the kind of rest you want to get. Unleash the power of great sleep by calling 800, the number four relief, 800, the number four relief, or go to relieffactor.com. Dream big and sleep tight with relief factor. It's relieffactor.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. This is Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, in California, they are trying to pass a bill that would classify not affirming a child's gender as child abuse. Man, this is incredible. And in California, I could see this passing, frankly, and being signed into law by Gavin Newsom. I, it's, it's fascinating because I, I don't... Give, give me the phrasing of that term again. I, they, the law would do what? It uh, would add affirming the sexual transition of a child uh, to the state standard for parental responsibility and child welfare, making any parent who doesn't affirm transgenderism for their child Mm. guilty of abuse under California state law. So you have to be in favor of them changing their gender or you're not affirming their gender. Yeah, because I think the way, the way you initially phrased that, or the article initially phrased it, was if you don't affirm their gender, it's a problem. Which I would argue, yeah. okay, well that makes right. kind of sense. If you if you yeah. if you tell a kid that they're a woman when they're or a girl when they're actually a boy, I have a problem with that. But of but course, they mean, they mean the opposite. The opposite. Mm-hmm. Not, if you're affirming their gender, that means you are affirming the fact that they want to change their gender. Which is <laughs> so good. This is what we're up against. Oh gosh! I mean, that really is the incredible spin they put on the stuff. The complete t- annihilation of our language. They really do. They, they, that is so central. I, Glenn mm-hmm. used to say, you know, change the change the language, change the argument all the time. Yep. Or change the argument, change the language, win the argument, or something like that. Um, <clears throat> Apparently, really, he didn't say it enough. No, it, no, you know what? Not exactly what it was. Let me give you a third take on that. <laughs> control the language, control the argument. I think <laughs> okay, that's what it was. Yes. Now that I, it's been a while been. since he said it, but he did say it all the time, and it's so true. Yeah. You know, when you make yep. it out about choice, of course, abortion's good, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's about choice. You're pro-choice. Of course, a woman has a right to choose. Of course, of Obviously. course. Decide her Except own body. Yeah. Maybe when you're, you know, killing something. So mm-hmm. I think you know there is that. Uh, that that real strategy from the left to do this they do it all all the the time time. in essence a boy could report his parents to his local school's gay straight alliance club or other lgbtq plus organization and then they would report the the boy's parents for child abuse uh the bill provides no definition whatsoever of what would qualify as non-affirming to a child's gender Wow. Uh, Susanna Luthi of the Washington Free Beacon points out, the bill makes no distinctions regarding the age of a child, how long a child has identified as transgender, or uh, affirmation of social transition versus medical sex change treatments. So how affirming do you have to be? Do you have to be open to a sex change operation for your child? Mm. Uh, If they just decided five minutes ago that they want to be a girl when they're a boy... You got to go along with that. And they can do this at any age because there's no age uh, listed in this bill. California's out of control. They're just, wow. Why do you live in California if you do? I don't, I don't know. 
it's uh, it's time to move. It really is. Uh, it's amazing. time to move. And I think one of the the only blessing of the Gavin Newsom uh, stint as governor mm-hmm. is he really has been so horrifically bad <laughs> that he's convinced a lot of people to leave the state. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think yeah. like his his incredible ambition and he is really I would th- I would say acting as if he's currently running for president. Like he is Yeah, he is. He, he's just all of these moves are to pander to uh democratic primary voters as if he's running for president because I think he thinks there's a chance Joe Biden drops out. There's a chance that people see Biden on the left as not left enough and they want and somebody out there and they'll swoop in yeah. he is totally planning for this yep. and one of the one of the side effects of that about that really the only good one is that a lot of people who are maybe conservative or moderate who are looking at this and saying well i love the state but there's problems have been like okay i gotta get out of here i know i know people who moved to texas friends of ours who lived in california and were just like okay this is too crazy it's time to go i can't deal with this anymore yeah. and it's happening to thousands and thousands of people the Glenn Beck Program. In Land Lakes, in Land Lakes, Florida, uh, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building a community called the Let Us Do Good Village, which will have about 100 homes for their program participants. There are two families who've already moved in, a Gold Star family and the family of a severely injured hero who served our nation. More will come. This is a special place where families will be able to come together and heal. This is a place where their children can grow up and experience life together. And it's all thanks to an amazing donation of the land on which it sits. And of course, thanks to your generosity. The Let Us Do Good Village can be the first of many communities like it. This is your opportunity to help America's greatest heroes and their families heal together and also grow together. With every mortgage-free home, the foundation makes good on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of our heroes and what they have done for our country and our community. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Tunnel to Towers is a great organization. They've been working really hard to make sure 9-11 is always remembered. It's T, the number 2, T.org. Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. It's T2T.org. Stu and I would love it if you check out our respective shows. Pat Gray Unleashed happens every weekday right before this one live. And then anytime you want on um, podcast, Stu Live. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. 8 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn. All this week, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. No, I'm sorry, it's triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Too many shows, doing too many shows this week. Uh, apparently, uh, it doesn't matter, and I I think we've realized this in the past. If you say something on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere on social media that the left doesn't like, no amount of groveling and apologizing <laughs> is going to do you any good. Just doesn't matter. Really good case in point, Anthony Bass, former a Toronto Blue Jays pitcher. Uh, he mm-hmm. he just re he shared an Instagram post mm-hmm. that called for the uh, boycott of Target and Bud Light, uh, and in it were the words "evil" and "demonic." But they were talking specifically about the designer and uh, this particular gay designer or trans designer 
um, that Target was working with. That Target was working with mm-hmm. and selling his goods online and in the store, and they were satanic messages. Yeah, maybe we start there because, uh, first of all, I'm uh, America's only Toronto Blue Jays fan. Um, so, actually, right? my son is as well. So, we have a couple. Um, but it is, uh, I'm a big Blue Jays fan. And so, mm-hmm. I, I, I take in a lot of Blue Jays content. <laughs> Which, by the way, is inexplicable. <laughs> Nobody knows why. No, no that's way. not true. Not even, I, not even Stu knows why. I was on a little league team called the Blue Jays <laughs> okay. when I was a kid. Right. When I was five. All right. And so, it's, it's hung around ever since then. Uh, I was on a team called the Athletics. Never not been an Ace fan. No. Well, not you're not fan. as loyal as I am, I'm Pat. Not, that's, no, that's that shows that's you, your... Your uh, <laughs> your your evil heart, my disloyalty, your too. evil and demonic right. heart. Um, so, so I take in a lot of content, and of course, everybody. You think you think MLB coverage in America is left wing? <laughs> I can mm-hmm. wait till you hear the Blue Jays coverage. Like, there's not even a thought that anyone could be a Christian. It's impossible to be <laughs> conservative. Anyone who would vote for a conservative is basically Satan in, in any Canadian media. Wow, um, and with very few exceptions. But like one th- one of the things that I think has been interesting to listen to as you watch the coverage of this is everyone, of course, races just like they do here to take the strongest stance possible about the horrible things that come from Anthony Bass and his statements. And, you know, mm-hmm. how can these people be? Why do these people want to erase transgendered individuals? Like, nobody what you, does. No, what are you talking about? Nobody no, no, does. No one wants to erase anything. Gosh, what are you talking stupid. about? It's, it's just so stupid. The erasure of the pride community. Oh, what are you up. talking about? Like, it's just it's just this dumb lazy argument that people make when they don't know anything about what they're talking about mm-hmm. so i have this very strange place as in the intersection between conservative media personality and toronto blue jays fan which there's just not a lot a lot of people living there you know that's just not there's just not a lot of them and so bass first of all this is a terrible baseball move for the blue jays who have a strong cut him from the team They've now cut him from the team. They cut him the night before Pride Night. Now, yes, he shared that. By the way, he shared that Instagram post, mm-hmm. but then apologized profusely for it. Right. Yeah, that, bent over backwards. Yeah. So, yeah, that, he bent over backwards. He apologized profusely. <laughs> didn't matter. Bye-bye. Did, didn't matter. He's gone anyway. Um, and that's a whole other uh, wrinkle of this. But So, mm-hmm. it's a bad baseball move. They didn't release him because he had a poor performance. He had he got hit hard in a couple early per, uh, outings this year. But he was one of the best relievers in Major League Baseball last year. Mm-hmm. And he had a 154 wow. ERA for the season, I think, last year. And they really could use him. I mean, they have a good mm-hmm. bullpen. Like, you don't want to weaken a strength like this for no reason. And they, they just let this guy go. He had also had... I don't know, eight or ten straight scoreless appearances. He had been really good recently. He had turned mm. it around from a, a rough start. So, no defense of this on, on baseball terms. They just fired this guy for what he did. Okay, what did he do? Well, he had a uh, he put out a statement, or he re- basically retweeted the in, the uh, reposted on Instagram a video that said um, uh, something about uh, in the pride in the target um, context. This is evil. This is demonic. And you, you you noted that, Pat. At least that's how I took it when I read it. Because we had been in the middle of the story the whole time, understanding and learning about this. And not just dismissing it because we don't, we, we're not left wing, right? Like, in the media, when you're left, you just dismiss the entire story and don't even try to learn about it. What, what I took from um, Bass's initial post was that he was echoing the idea that the target situation working with an outwardly satanic someone who was saying they were a satanist mm-hmm. 
was evil mm-hmm. and demonic. Yes. Not right. every gay person that walks by you is Satan, mm-hmm. but not that rainbow flags equal hell, but just that, look, you're, they were working with someone who was an out, out, outward Satanist. Now, that you can say, well, they didn't, you know, Target didn't actually carry the stuff that, that said satanic things on it. And there was a lot of different pieces of pushback from the left on that. But generally speaking, a Christian saying that a, a Satanist is evil and demonic is not exactly a stretch of the faith, right? Like, that's pretty core to the faith to say a Satanist could wind up being evil and demonic or their beliefs are evil and demonic. So... What was fascinating about listening to the Blue Jays coverage, which they all talked about this, all the reporters talked about it as if they knew everything about it. They sounded just as authoritative as they do on every other topic. And none of them, I legitimately got the sense, Pat, none of them were even aware of that part of the story. None of them had heard one time that Target was actually proven 100% 100% true was working with a person who was who was a an out satanist and was also selling and they were, and satanist they were fine, clothes on their website. Fine with it. They were fine with it. Yeah. But I don't think any of these Blue Jays reporters knew anything about it. They just assumed sure because not. Bass is a Christian that he was calling all gay people demonic and evil. Which is not only wrong, but also incredibly lazy, mm-hmm. right? They didn't mm-hmm. even bother to understand the story they were condemning another human being over. And that is pathetic and lazy journalism at the very least. It really is. And it's also the other thing I would say that I think is interesting about this story is that Bass himself the uh, pitcher for the Blue Jays, who's a Christian and posted the initial uh, Target protest video, got a lot of heat from conservatives who basically picked up the story after his apology happened, where he gave the groveling hostage video apology. Mm-hmm. And like, I, that's really understandable, frankly, right? <laughs> like it was so, I mean, he didn't say anything. I don't, I don't think he said anything in there he disagreed with. He said, I'm, he said, I didn't mean it to be hurtful. I didn't want it to, uh, and I'm sorry that people took it that way. And I, I'm not, I, just, I, I have members of my family and friends that are in this community, and I didn't mean to bring any, um, you know, uh, any hurt to them. Like, it was groveling, but he wasn't, he wasn't lying, right? He was, he was just, he found a way to word it. Um, in a in a in a in a frame that says, I, you know, I still I still believe what I believe, but like I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and I want to keep my job, right? That, that's what, how mm-hmm. it came off. And so a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of conservative friends of mine were very critical of him, understandably so. And I'm sure he's learned a lesson after all of this has happened that that's maybe not the way to do this. But he was eventually talked to reporters again, and it was like they were like, well, do you still do you still have those personal beliefs? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I still have those personal beliefs. We all have our personal beliefs. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, it was a distraction and I don't want to, uh, you know, I probably should be smarter than posting that on, on Instagram and, you know, but like, of course I still believe the same things. He didn't, he never went against his actual belief system. He just, you know, he groveled for his job a little bit. Now, a lot of people go through that. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people go through that. I think it's hard. It's easy for a conservative media personality like myself to judge somebody in that situation because we, Pat, are rewarded, incentivized to say everything we believe. Our whole 
Mm-hmm. Our whole, uh, you know, uh, compensation package is based on the fact that we do it. If we don't do it, we get fired, right? <laughs> if we start hiding what we actually believe, no one wants us to be employed in the, at the blaze. Mm-hmm. But when we say what we do believe, even when it's really unpopular, we they do want us to be. I mean, it's part of the incentive process here. Like we, they want us to be as clear as possible with what we believe. Right. That is not the case for every other job on earth, and it's easy to be critical. And I think. It's also accurate to be critical of making the groveling hostage video uh, hostage tape. The other part about this, though, is something that probably Anthony Bass now learns, which is there is no amount of groveling. Doesn't matter. It to doesn't the left. matter. They doesn't still fired matter. him. Even after he did all of this. And that happens every time. Every time. Every uh, time. Really, without exception. You, you can apologize profusely. You, you can uh, cry you can beg, you can whine, you can plead, you could change your mind completely. Doesn't matter. They don't care. They don't care. It's not enough. There is no forgiveness from the left. So, and there was no forgiveness from the Blue Jays Blue organization either. No. Despite the fact that he really didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. And he even played their game. Like he even went, oh, I mean, like he, he made other statements afterward and he said, the video itself, I took it down. I felt like it was too much of a distraction. I stand by my personal beliefs and everyone is entitled to their per- personal beliefs, right? I mean, nope. I also mean no harm <laughs> to any groups of people. You're right, Pat. That's the, that's the important part of this. We all have our yeah. personal beliefs, right? No. No. No, you don't. Sorry, you're not entitled to them. This is I mean, as- you can have them, just don't ever share them. Yeah. Right, exactly. Ever. Exactly. You, it, yeah. They have to be so personal that no one knows what they are, right. which of course is completely right. opposed to the faith we're talking about here, which very much accentuates that you should talk about it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's actually one of the most clear mandates in the teachings is making sure that other people mm-hmm. know about it. He said, uh, you know, he says, I don't, I don't want to throw any, I, I don't want to throw this person under the bus, but someone sent it to me on Instagram sharing their views of the situation going on in the world. When I watched it, obviously it aligned with my personal beliefs. I mean, he's, he doesn't run from his personal beliefs, which I think is, is important here, even though he did do the groveling apology, which I'm sure now he regrets. But like, this is as close to the Toronto Blue Jays telling their team members they are no longer allowed to be Christian. This is really close to that. Yeah, it is. Right? They're yeah, just telling. Is. I, the, the, this is not somebody, if like, let's say he posted something, it became a controversy, and then he came out and said, you know what? I don't care what you're talking about. I don't. I think this this is evil and demonic. And and maybe he went really far, went farther than Anthony Bass did, and said really you know controversial things about this topic. Mm-hmm. Like at least you can argue at that point. Okay, well look, he's putting himself and his beliefs above the team, and we don't have to honor his beliefs. We have to honor make it to make the team better, and it's a distraction. We want him out of here. He didn't even do that. He did everything they mm-hmm. asked him to do. And they still released him the day before Pride Night. Jeez. I mean, it's disgraceful. They're telling it him is. that, like, what, how, what percentage of this continent is Christian? You're bas- they're 80, basically telling 75%? them. 75%? You can't, you know, your kind is not welcome here. Yeah, yeah, like, amazing. you might disagree with his analysis on this, but, like, he did everything the organization asked him to do. Mm-hmm. 
He went into, I don't know, some sort of weird uh, hypnosis counseling thing about what he's supposed to say. God only knows. He was working with the resources of the Toronto Blue Jays to understand LGBTQ issues. What, oh what resources do they have? Oh, my. <laughs> They've got Google. Like, what else? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yes, the Toronto Blue Jays have resources, too. But the problem is they're actually probably developing them now. I'll bet. It's probably some sort yeah. of thought change camp. Mm-hmm. That you could put people into yeah. to make sure they understand the way of the world. And look, having a having someone mm. who is making news outside of baseball is not something these teams want. They don't want Kyrie Irving talking about whether he thinks vaccines are evil or the world the earth is flat. They don't like it. They don't want that there. But man, you know, when it comes to Christianity, it's just like, well, I'm sorry. You, you, I mean, you get thrown off a team, a mm-hmm. valuable member of a team thrown off for what? Because he, he gave his personal views and then said he wanted to be respectful to other groups. Mm-hmm. He didn't try. He wasn't trying to get thrown out of town, but they threw him out. Crazy. I mean, it's just, it That's really is really a disgrace. Amazing. And it's, it's something that like, you got to feel, you feel terrible for it. Cause I, I have much more empathy maybe because I, you know, I cared about him as a baseball player. I don't know. But I have more empathy than, you know, when you watch this guy come out and make that statement, picture the gun to his head when he mm-hmm. says it. And you know what? Yeah. He probably should have done a better job with that initial statement. I would agree. I'm sure he would but agree too. You try to protect your, your job and your $5 million a year salary. Right. So. And so I understand it. It's no, understandable. I'm not, that's not justifiable per se. Right. Uh, you know, you should still stand. But this is a better lesson to understand. There's no reason to do that anymore. If you get caught in these situations, you might as well just work. say what you believe because they're going to throw, throw you the yep. curb anyway. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn. All right. It seems like not all that long ago when the third rail for conversation in business was the same as the dinner table, religion and politics. If you were a smart business, you left that stuff alone. You, uh, I don't know, just focused on making your customer happy. The rise of wokeness murdered that notion in our society, and we've been forced as a result to create a a parallel economy for ourselves, and Patriot Mobile is a big part of that. They're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider offering dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. You get the best possible service in your area without the woke politics. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military, veterans, and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your phone. Keep your number, too. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Beck. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. You get the same dependable service and take a stand for your values. Make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Or call them 878-PATRIOT. Glenn Beck. Welcome. It is Pat and Stu for Glenn, 888-727-BECK, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. How's he doing? We lost him. Oh, you could have broken that to me a little more slowly. Sorry, he doesn't feel good. Oh, Uh, he's dead. He's gone. Oh my gosh. He's gone. What a terrible turn of events. (laughs) Have you watched uh, any of the... 
Ted Kaczynski movies and like documentaries that have come out over the past few years? I have. Yeah, yeah of course uh, I have. Really, I get locked into that stuff as soon Me as I too. see it. I, go, I gotta watch it. It's fascinating. Uh, yep. Fascinating every time. Uh, he was a fascinating guy because he was so smart and yet, you know, so killed evil. Yes, evil and demonic. As killed three people, maimed people, injured twenty three. I mean, not a good guy, but uh, yeah, we lost him. Uh, Eighty one years old, struck down in the prime of life. He actually committed suicide. So. He, oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. I, I thought he was sick with uh, he was cancer sick, or something, which may have played into the suicide. I uh, don't know. The Glenn Beck Program. to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Featuring Pat and Scoot today. Great to have you with us. I uh, got to tell you about uh, some... <laughs> was this entrapment or what was going on on January 6th? Uh, cops have been caught encouraging the mob to enter the Capitol building. It's on tape. Uh, we'll tell you about that and uh, much more coming up in 60 seconds on 9 11 2977 people lost their lives on what turned out to be one of america's darkest days a generation later you'd hardly know it happened at all at least if you tried to find out about it in school the tunnel to towers 9 11 institute aims to change that by educating kids from kindergarten age all the way up to 12th grade about what happened that day their nonfiction first-person accounts are available both as videos and in the Discovering Heroes book series. They are deeply moving, amazing accounts, and your kids will never forget them. The Institute is offering full curriculum units with scripted social studies lessons, activities, and backgrounds for teachers, plus a speakers bureau for classrooms with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. And don't forget the mobile exhibit as well, a tractor trailer that is an interactive museum of 9-11 artifacts, plus scholarships for exceptional students preparing uh, who have, you know, began prepping, uh, prepping for college. It is really uh, an amazing list of things that they do. Uh, never forget, uh, we must educate future generations about 9-11. Let's help our nation honor its vow. Uh, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. T, the number 2, T.org. It's T2T.org for Tunnel to Towers. Uh, tell you about this uh, January 6th development in a minute. But uh, also, a survey finds that 75%, three out of four Princeton students, think it's okay to shout down speakers who appear uh, at the university. About 43% said it's acceptable to block other students from attending talks they disagree with. (laughs) These are big time First Amendment uh, free speech activists. Oh yeah, sounds like it. Mm -hmm. Even more disturbingly, Perhaps 16% support the use of violence to stop a controversial speaker. Wow. Uh, responding, weird, isn't it? 
Yeah. I don't, I've never yeah. had that instinct. Have you? No. Have you ever tried no. to silence someone from speaking? I can't no. even, I don't even understand no. it. Like, I, I mean, maybe it's because we're always looking for content and I want dumb people saying dumb things. <laughs> so maybe that's it. I don't know. But uh, I, well, I, it goes I against, think... it's un-American. I mean, it's just un-American. Why, yeah. why do you have to shut them down? You don't. Let them speak and then counter what they said with what you believe. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens on, on the internet that I disagree with. They, people say all sorts of bad things. I don't want them to be silenced over it. It's like, I don't know. It, just, it seems like such a pathetic way of looking at things. It's like you're just admitting mm-hmm. your argument sucks. Yeah, absolutely. And 48% of them said a speech that uses discriminatory language or that a group finds offensive or that they find offensive should not be allowed. Okay, that is completely contrary to the First Amendment because, the, as Glenn has pointed out many times, the only kind of speech you need to protect is speech that other people don't like, right? I mean, if everybody agrees with it, nobody's going to try to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Of course you can say it. If you only do happy talk, well, uh, naturally that's allowed. But do we, do we have the guts to allow somebody to speak who uh, we disagree with or we find offensive? And who's deciding what's offensive and what isn't and if you, it should be allowed? Uh, really amazing. And this is at an Ivy League institution. Tyrion Steinbach, the school's Dean of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Oh, God. <laughs> you no, talk about just the title we, is enough. We talk about all the time presidents saying, like, we've created these jobs. It's like they have created a lot of jobs. Yeah, they, they just have. don't have any economic <laughs> impact other than sucking the life out of our society. But like all these DEI experts and speakers and, you know, anti-racist this and, mm-hmm. you know, CRT that. All those people, these are all just fake jobs. They're jobs that don't mean anything. They don't create anything. Mm-hmm. They just destroy. 40% of these students said a sports team should be able to suspend a student with views others find offensive. <laughs> what? So they're going to love this uh, Blue Jays thing. Mm. Sure uh, they will. Let's see. I already told you 16% support violence to stop a speaker. say it's okay to block other students from attending something they disagree with. And 76% said it's sometimes acceptable to stop a campus speaker by shouting over them. Hmm. I think this is where these things happen a lot because it's like sometimes acceptable. I don't know. Like, I would say probably, I would say no to that, right? Mm -hmm. Instinctively, I would say almost never is that okay. I don't know. If someone comes in and they're doing... If it's from the KKK, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, uh, you know, Hitler's reincarnation is out there giving a speech. Okay. And uh, you can make, make some arguments there, but it's pretty rare, pretty rare uh, that that would ever be the case. And even then, like, it's it's always better to win uh, an argument than to yell over it. I uh, would say so. Just yeah. win. Stop. They can't. They can't. They haven't been taught how to deal with that. And they haven't been expected to even deal with it. Instead... You know, they're given um, cry spaces to where if they heard something that disturbed them, they can go and cry about it rather than defend their own position. Uh, 56% said they would be very or somewhat uncomfortable expressing their views on a controversial topic in class, and they won't, 70% won't disagree with the professor in class. So this shows you a lot about what's going on in our college and university system. I mean, they're just 
they're being hammered with this stuff and they're not they're not disagreeing with it. They're they're afraid to disagree with it. Survey shows more needs to be done because most students neither support or understand free speech. Yeah, uh, I'd say that's a that's pretty evident from this particular survey. Uh, last May, a Princeton class classics professor claimed he was fired for opposing clearly racist and illegal demands from fellow faculty members after George Floyd's death. Uh, he alleged that he was fired for publicly criticizing a number of anti-racist demands. Some of them clearly racist and illegal. In a Wall Street op-ed, Princeton said he'd been fired after he failed to be straightforward uh, in a misconduct probe. Sure. Okay. I mean, and we just talked about Anthony Bass, who sort of expressed uh, himself online and apologized profusely for it was fired anyway and really actually didn't express i mean he, yeah, he legitimately really just reposted something else that someone <laughs> said about getting rid of uh, target from your lives for a while you know and then apologized profusely still cut mm-hmm. still cut and it's funny yeah, because not enough. I, I listened to you know, as i mentioned the a lot of the blue jays coverage and like their complaints on bass were that about, about the blue jays i mean almost exclusively people were complaining that the blue jays didn't fire him that's that was the complaint wow because they didn't make him a, wow a, that statement he made initially mm-hmm. they didn't have any reporters there for questions <clears throat> and they were saying basically the blue jays were protecting him like the the whole perspective is totally upside down to what <laughs> reality is right yeah and they all yeah they all were exactly walking in lockstep man as, as if they got a directive from above now, that could have happened at any number of uh, American baseball teams, totally, too. Totally. But it's really bad in Canada right now. Things are yeah. bad there. Yeah, I think it's it's different because the there's no cultural undertone of pushback in Canada. Right. They, they don't... Mm-hmm. Ha- I mean, like, we, we have friends uh, up, up in Canada who work in conservative media and have been the lone voices mm-hmm. in Canada for a long time uh, 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 over these issues. Um, but... Like, when you step back from that, there's not, it's not a situation here where you have to worry about it, right? Mm-hmm. You'll get, you'll get these conservative organizations that will publish stories that you don't like, but there's not like 50% of the country that is pretty conservative. There's just not. I mean, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's whatever it is, it's, and it's not very, they're not loud up there often. Of course, most Canadians aren't. Um, but here, it, look, as much as we sometimes feel like everything's against us as conservatives, we do have a voice here and we do mm. make a difference mm-hmm. and we change things all the time. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're not helpless victims here. Yeah. You know, we, we are able to do things and, and push back. We don't win all those culture war battles, but we win a lot of them. Another story from Canada, uh, superintendent, superintendents at an Ottawa school board sent an email to all staff saying that. They start that they need to start the next school year using they them pronouns for all students. Okay, mm. even if I guess the student isn't using they them pronouns, but that's until told their preferred pronouns. It's also said teachings about LGBTQ identities should be embedded in the overall learning environment and are not open to debate or selective participation. So. You can't opt out, and you can't disagree, and we're going to decide what you're being taught. Wow. 
The intention was to suggest some actions that can be taken during Pride Month and beyond to promote inclusivity and belongings in our school. Okay. Uh, Wow. They did not respond, though, directly to the question as to whether the suggested actions extend to all age groups, including using they, them for kindergarten students. Hmm. A kindergarten teacher told the Epic Times that she received the email, but has not yet been instructed in any staff meetings or elsewhere to act upon it. I, I mean, it's this is sweeping the planet, and uh, Canada's probably just a little bit ahead of us, but we're going down that same road. The diversity, inclusivity, equity thing is has taken root here, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to, they're going to continue. This just isn't enough and it's not stopping. And so unless we stand up and say something about it, stand up and oppose it, we're just going to be trampled by it. Uh, that seems to be what's happening right now. And that, that's why, you know, yeah, pride month is so prevalent this year. I, is it just me or is it more prevalent this year than it's ever been in the past? It definitely does seem more prevalent. Um, I think part of that is to do with the sort of high profile boycott sort of, mm. uh, it, it, you know, stories that came out in the time leading up to Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, like, you know, the thing that always hits me on this one is it, I'm watching the NFL and then one weekend every year, everyone's wearing pink. And I'm like, oh, this is the mm-hmm. breast month. This is the breast week. It's the breast cancer awareness week. Right. I, now I'm right. very familiar. Like I'm aware of breast cancer. I, I, you I, are? Maybe there well, are some that aren't. Well, because um, you've seen the pink shoes. Right. No, uh, no, I knew about it before that. By I the knew. NFL players. No, no, I knew about it before that. And look, they raise a bunch of money for breast cancer research, which is great. I'm yes. happy about that. Yes. I, I wish they could do it in a way that it was not pink uniforms, frankly, but it's, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. And every, every year it surprises me. I'm like, oh gosh, is this the week again? They're wearing pink <laughs> socks in the middle of why, but uh, my point there is that usually Pride Month sneaks up on me. I don't know it's coming, and all of a sudden I just everything's rainbow. Like why? What is going? on? Oh, it's Pride Month this year because of the Bud Light thing, largely, but also Target uh, maybe as secondarily. Um, that all preceded the month, and mm-hmm. we all knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know. I've had every company I've ever bought something from in the last twenty five years still has my email address. And they all email me their rainbow, uh, you know, logos, and tell me how prideful they are, which thought was one of the seven deadly sins. But I can't, apparently you're bragging about that now. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really. In fact, it was supposed to be the worst of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> there you go. So, but it's not. Of course, it's. But again, again this comes back time. to uh, Anthony Bass's tweet or, or yeah. post where he s- says evil and demonic. Like the fact that we're promoting one of the seven deadly sins like you can see how a christian would get there right like i mean i don't know it's not like a a massively large leap in the faith (laughs) right right hey forget the forget the because i don't even really frankly understand the tie between lgbtqia2 plus and pride other than the fact they just sort of adopted it like i guess mm-hmm. we're now proud to be gay we're no longer to be uh mm-hmm. hiding it okay and we want you to be proud of us too right and we want you to, to, to promote to support and c- celebrate yeah um yeah. yep but okay like all right i guess there's some loose tie there but pride itself like have you noticed lately it's like happy pride 
mm-hmm. is the way they phrase this. Yeah. Which is doesn't make any sense. Like what do you <laughs> what do you mean? Happy Pride Month might make sense. Happy Pride? What is that? It doesn't even make sense in English. And like again, we're promoting the deadliest of the seven deadly sins as a essentially a national holiday for a month. You don't think Christians would wake up to that a little bit and say, wait a minute, this is a little can we call it something else? Like I don't like what this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. put it past them to have a lust month or a sloth month. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't put it past our government to support that sort of stuff. But it would be strange. It would. I know you wouldn't yeah, normally see would. that sort of thing. So I, I, I do think that it should probably connect to people that this is going on, but it does seem much more prominent this month. Pat and Stu for Glenn. More coming up in one minute. Let me tell you about Car Shield. You get health insurance for an important reason. The last thing you want on top of needing medical care is knowing that you're going to pay through the nose for it. Well, the same applies to your car when the warranty runs out. Car repairs are expensive pretty much across the board, and you don't want to get stuck with a huge bill. With all the inflation going on, too, it's even worse than you probably imagined last time your car broke down. So get Car Shield. Car Shield offers affordable protection plans to fit every budget and covers more parts than ever before. You'll want them uh, when, of course, these costly repairs are needed. You also can count on CarShield to help take care of you when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Every protection plan includes coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental car options, and trip trip reimbursement at no extra cost. You can lock on your price today. It'll never go up. CarShield is dedicated to protecting what you drive. Get coverage today, 800-227-6100. And save 20% on your plan. Lock in your price. It will never go up. 800-227-6100. Or visit carshield.com slash Beck to save 20% today. 800-227-6100 or carshield.com slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. You know who Tyrese Gibson is? An actor, right? Actor. Yeah. Yeah. He was on a podcast recently, kind of talking about the things we've been sort of kicking around. He's calling out Hollywood here because they're just, he says there's two Americas. There's an America that's appalled when babies show up to pride events exposed to the private parts of adults. We had some photos of that that we uh, showed on my, some portions blurred. But, uh, I mean, there's a woman holding a baby, like, I don't know, one and a half, maybe two. And there's a guy bent over naked in front of him. Uh, uh, Hello? First of all, why did you bring the baby to this event? And why is this guy doing... I thought this was non-sexual stuff that was happening here. I thought this was family-friendly, all-ages-welcome sort of stuff. And then... You know, you see the sexual nature of it, and it doesn't really seem like it. But here's what uh, Tyrese Gibson had to say about what's going on in Hollywood. As much as I'm supposed to be promoting this movie and talking about my album, I just feel like we're in competition right now because they are trying to normalize the devil. They are trying to populate. The devil is, is on the main stage at award shows and in every video and yeah, man. signs and symbols. And I said, you know what? We need to stop treating our relationship with Jesus like the little buddy that you talk to before you go to bed at night and not be more vocal about all the things that God means to us and all of the things that God has brought us through. Because there's been a lot of moments that you didn't post about, Mm -hmm. but yet you know, how did God decide 
to get yeah. me through this. Yeah, man. And yeah, they going above and beyond to promote the devil. And it's pissing me off mm-hmm. because they, they used to devil worshipers used to be real secretive. Oh, like yeah. Going down in the basement, this <laughs> yeah, secret man. world. Now they just now like, they on the ah. device too. Yeah. Believe they, that. Yeah. Mm. You mean something like brave promoting guy. one of the seven deadly sins is a month of your year? Mm, like would that yeah. describe what uh-huh. he's talking about? Perhaps. That? Perhaps. And I think he was talking about uh, the target stuff too, where, the, mm-hmm. I mean, it was openly Satanist stuff from this openly Satanist designer and people are okay with it. How, when did this start? How did this happen? Mm. How can we possibly be doing this in a in a nation like ours where at least, I mean, what is the percentage? 75%, 78% of us are Christian. And now we, we accept the Satanism. That's okay. And we start promoting it. Very bizarre. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. I mean, and I think this is part of it too. Uh, you know, um, again, to go back to the Blue Jays one more time. I heard these people saying, hey, like, oh, I thought we were going to be all sexualized here on Pride Night looking around and everything looks fine. These reporters giving this sort of sarcastic message. And it's like, well, you know what? Probably weren't a lot of uh, uh, sex toys at the Blue Jays game for Pride Night. Why? Why? If, they, if someone showed up hmm. with a necklace made out of sex toys like you see at these parades all the time, what would they have done at the security line? Would they have let them in? Of course, the answer to that is no. Because they know there'll be kids inside, and it's not appropriate for a baseball game, yet you seem to be arguing it's appropriate for middle school. You seem to be arguing it's appropriate for toddlers. You seem to be arguing in every other context, it's totally fine. Now, of course, the Blue Jays can make that decision because they're a major league franchise, and they can keep people out that they don't want to keep out. But if those people showed up dressed like that, naked, in thongs, around (laughs) children, they wouldn't be allowed in the freaking stadium. (laughs) But I don't know. He's pride. It doesn't seem too sexual here inside the stadium at at the at Pride Night at Toronto Blue Jays the Rogers Center in Toronto. No surprise there, because they controlled the crowd. Is that where you became a (laughs) Canadian sports star? Uh, uh, Yes, that was. uh, And made that incredible catch. Incredible catch. One of the best catches in Major League history. uh, Made by (laughs) me. Look it up online. I'm on a lot of videos entitled (laughs) Major League Baseball's Worst Fans. So check that out. Uh, You can always find me. I'm always on YouTube. I will never get kicked off of that, at least for YouTube. (laughs) The Glenn Beck Program. All right. So pain has gotten a little aggressive with you. Has it? You get up in the morning. It's already kicking you around like a soccer ball, and it only gets worse as the day goes on. How does that feel? Not good. Not good. Nothing like the good old frequent debilitating pain to make you feel like doing nothing other than turning over in bed and going back to sleep. But of course, that's not the best option, is it? All it does is to allow the pain to continue to win. But if you're living with pain that has gotten aggressive with you, it's time to be aggressive back. May I recommend that you try Relief Factor. Relief Factor is available now. Three-week quick start, only $19.95. It's a trial pack. It's not a drug. It was developed by doctors. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor. About 70% of them go on to order more. It's working for them. It can work for you. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Get the 1995 three-week quick start. Again, the uh, address is relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Relief Factor, feel the difference. You don't have to have pain on a day-to-day basis. Join the thousands of people who have been helped by Relief Factor at relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. It's relieffactor.com. Glenn Beck, Stuber Gear. Steve Dace, Chad Prather, and me, Pat Gray. Listen to all your favorite conservative voices at blazetv.com. Promo code Glenn.
It's Pat and Stu for Glenn today. Uh, 888-727-BECK. You know, we complain uh, mm. at times about Republicans in office not doing the things that we want them to do, not being as conservative as they, as they should be. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. Uh, it happens every... I mean, it's few and far between mm-hmm. among Republicans because mm-hmm. we just don't complain. You know what I mean? No, never. But Never. Um, but you seem to think that there might be a solution to the complaint? Well, yeah, because huh. we can complain and complain and complain uh-huh. and, and be upset about who, you know, let's say, for example, senators who are voting the, you know, the wrong way on, on certain bills. And mm-hmm. they'd let us down all the time. And we complain about this all the time. Yeah, Lisa Murkowski, for instance. Yeah. And there's a lot of time to, com- we do it all the time when they're in office and they do it <laughs> over and over again. I would argue, though, Pat, mm-hmm. there is time to complain and there's time to actually do something about Hmm. this problem you can actually do something about this problem really if we don't pay attention like right now Mm. we will miss this opportunity for several more years okay so right now is the time we're supposed to care not after Mm. these people have been elected and they have six-year terms but now because right now we have a chance to primary republican uh senators who are in office who suck Okay, Okay. Mm -hmm. but only if we work really hard to actually pick the right ones to primary and also find good candidates to oppose them. Huh. But if you don't care and then when it comes to the election time, you're like, oh, this guy's back on the ballot and oh man, he's not even running against anybody. What the heck? That is not the time to complain. Now is the time to think about this and get ahead of it. Okay. All right. And I think that we do a very, we've done a very poor job at times as Republicans and conservatives in selecting which races to make the most impact right for Mm -hmm. example we remember mike lee winning in a primary process and we really improved our standing in the senate we went from a guy who was really moderate and not very good (laughs) Mm -hmm. to one of the best senators i would argue the best senator in the senate mike lee oh for sure Mm -hmm. and that was a massive improvement and we've all noticed that improvement yet here we are Still complaining about the same types of problems. So we got uh, Ted Cruz in Texas instead Ted of Cruz. Uh, what's his face, David uh, Dewhurst. Yes, a huge improvement. Huge. It made a massive difference in our country. Yeah, it did. That, that period was really successful, but that period was also <laughs> marred by misses, where mm-hmm. winnable races were tossed out the window because we tried to pick someone who was maybe more conservative, but not necessarily right for that particular state or whatever. And I think what we've done at times is either ignore this problem because they already have an R next to their name or just try to find someone more conservative and put them in whether they're going to win or not. So I thought this mm-hmm. is the time to look at this more systematically, right? Mm-hmm. So I came up with a little system here. I want to run this by you. Okay. There's nine main uh, Republican senators who are running for uh, re-election coming up. Okay? okay. And I rank them on a bunch of different categories, but the three main things that I thought were the determining factor here of how we should think about this is first of all, who's the most conservative, right? We Mm -hmm. want the most conservative people in there. So if they're super conservative already, Ted Cruz is a great example of this. No real need to primary him, right? We're already pretty happy with that seat. Yeah. Why waste resources trying to get better than Ted Cruz when you first of all, might be worse. Right. And secondly, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, probably doesn't make any sense anyway. So who's the most conservative? Then if we primary them, if we decide to come up with a candidate, can we actually win the primary? Is it one of these things that we're going to mm-hmm. throw a bunch of resources at a candidate who can't win? Or are we going to, do we have someone who's vulnerable and, and maybe can win? And finally, if we win the primary with our new conservative candidate, 
are they going to win the general or are we going to throw a moderate Republican out to get a liberal Democrat, which is not what we want. If you put a, you know, you get a conservative um, through, you know, the, the example that a lot of the left would use was it was Delaware back there when it was Christine O'Donnell and Mike Castle and Mike Castle looked like he was going to win the election if he won the primary. Instead, O'Donnell won the primary and then had basically no chance to win the actual election. And now we've been dealing with terrible Democrats in Delaware this whole time. Mm-hmm. So we want to avoid that situation if mm-hmm. it's possible. So here we go. Who's who's the least conservative? Starting from the other side of the scale, the most conservative that is running right now. Ted Cruz was the most conservative. I, by the way, this is not just me guessing. This is all based on their voting records through multiple different rating agencies that do this. Ted Cruz was the most conservative, followed by Marsha Blackburn, Rick Scott, then John Barrasso, Deb Fisher, Josh Hawley, and the three least conservative were Roger Wicker from Mississippi, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota, and Mitt Romney from Utah. Surprise! These are, these are all candidates coming up in 2024 for election. This is the time to do okay. something about these people. Right. Okay. So you're not going to, what's the point of replacing Cruz or Blackburn? They're doing a good job. Yeah. You don't want to. Romney, Kramer, Wicker on the other side. Now, if we uh, primary them, can we win the primary? All right. The way I did, I came up with this was basically what is the <laughs> approval rating in the state, right? What's their approval rating in the state among Republican voters? Okay. Mm. Do Republicans like these senators? If they love the senator, even if they're moderate, it's going to be hard to knock them off, right? If they don't like the senator, it's going to be easy to knock them off. So here we go. This is state approval rating by these nine senators that are running. Okay. John Barrasso in Wyoming, 79% approval is the highest. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Marsha Blackburn, 78% uh, in Tennessee. Ted Cruz, 75% in Texas. Again, it would be almost impossible to knock them out right. if you tried to. So what, you wouldn't want to waste your resources here. Then you have Kevin Kramer, who, as I mentioned, was one of the more liberal senators, but has a 73% approval rating in a state. Might be hard to knock off. Rick mm. Scott, 72%. Josh Hawley, 72%. Deb Fisher, 66%. Roger Wicker. And Roger Wicker, you might remember, uh, he was in the news recently because he was one of the Republicans who opposed the debt ceiling limit. You might say, well, mm. well that's pretty good. I want him to, to oppose that. No, he opposed it because we didn't spend enough money. <laughs> he wanted to spend more money. That was his complaint with the debt ceiling. Mm -hmm. He's at 63%. And I want to make sure we understand the range here. 79% to 63%. That's the entire range of all of the first eight candidates. The worst approval rating for Republicans in their state, Mitt Romney, 41%. He is 22 points behind every other candidate that is running for re-election in his party. That's it. He is massively vulnerable to a primary challenge if somebody good steps up and runs against him so you're saying there's a chance if they don't step up and Wouldn't run against them to get rid of him though? Mitt romney will win oh, if somebody good steps up very vulnerable wicker but vulnerable, so far nobody nobody has anybody stepped up in utah to challenge Mitt romney i've heard rumors haven't heard any voices yet haven't heard anyone actually doing it haven't heard anybody step up yet and really take that stand that's prominent. Again, you can't just throw anybody out there. What's the rumor? Romney's got lots of, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how gonna run? public that is, uh, that is at this at this time. But really? I, we need somebody because we can complain about Mitt Romney till the end of time. Is it but possible he is that? Incredibly vulnerable right now to a, a, to a primary challenge. All right. Okay. Hmm. Then let's go on to the next category. All right. <laughs> if we win the primary, can we win the general? Mm-hmm. So I rank these states by, um, you know, how 
easy it would be in the general Jason election. Chaffetz. Is it Jason it, Chaffetz? That's not who it that's was. That's not who it was. No, it was not who it was. Okay. Though he is, he Though was he's at doing one time. Right now, so he's he, on Fox News. He, he could have absolutely beaten Orrin Hatch back in the day. That, that's when but that was that's removed. That's not an issue anymore. So yeah. now we got to get. Yeah, rid, I don't think Hatch. Romney. I don't think Hatch can win. Yeah, I don't can think win Hatch right cannot win. He right cannot now. win. No. I don't think so. I don't think he can do it. No. Okay. Uh, now, if we win the primary, can we win the general? So the <clears throat> you'd want this to be as easy as possible, right? Mm-hmm. The hardest state of these nine to win the general election is Rick Scott in Florida. Florida is mm-hmm. pretty much a red state at this point. Mm-hmm. So it only gets easier from here. Ted Cruz is the second most difficult on this list to win the general if you win the primary. Then it's Hawley, Wicker, Fisher, Romney. Um, Utah's fourth, by the way. Then you've got Blackburn, Kramer, and then Barrasso in Wyoming would be the easiest. The bottom mm-hmm. line here is every if you win the primary, you're basically going to win the general in these nine states. Mm-hmm. So combine all these measures measures together. What do you get? Uh, the least likely for us, the least productive for us to primary would be Ted Cruz, then Rick Scott, then Marsha Blackburn. They they, they I, I would say there's just no point. Don't primary them. Let them win. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say from a conservative mm-hmm. perspective. Next three, Josh Hawley, John Barrasso, and Deb Fisher in Nebraska. These three I'd put in the category of, if you have a really good candidate, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, If mm-hmm. you have someone who's significantly better than those three, go for it. Though it might not be as easy and, and maybe not as productive. You might not get as many conservative gains as you might get against some of these other ones. The top three, are you ready, Pat? If you're in these states... Find somebody good to run against these people. Please, by all that is holy. You can do it. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this map is absolutely there for you to get <laughs> through. You can, There is a path here. Number three, Roger Wicker in Mississippi. Okay. Do we need moderate votes out of freaking Mississippi, Pat? I don't think so. Why? Why are I, we I dealing with this? I don't know. This is insanity. We should have, we should have a Ted Cruz or a Marsha Blackburn. In Mississippi. It's a That's conservative That's this question state. about South Carolina, too. Multiple times. Yeah. Why? Why do we have Lindsey Graham? Why? Now, he's not up for re-election this no. time. But. But again, why is somebody not primarying Lindsey Graham that is a legitimate top-notch candidate every single time? Should be. Should be. Roger Wicker is a great example of this. He is, he's a Mitch McConnell guy. You complain about McConnell? Well, you should, you should do something about Wicker. They're the same person. Go out there and do something about him if you want. In fact, I would argue McConnell's better than Wicker is. Number two on the list, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota. You might say, ah, North Dakota, I haven't put much thought into it, other than the obvious campaign of Doug Burgum for president. <laughs> I haven't put that much thought into North Dakota. Well, it's, except for Burgumentum is sweeping the country. Yeah, Burgumania is there, obviously. Yeah, but that, yeah. people, that's more of a Doug Burgum specific type of thing. <laughs> this is uh, the state of North Dakota. And look, it's still one of 100. And you may have never even heard of Kevin Kramer in North Dakota. And that's the problem. That's the problem. He's relatively popular in his state, but his voting record sucks. It really does. It's one of the worst in this field. And there's no reason there's somebody else in North Dakota who could step up and beat him in a primary, which Mm -hmm. would be difficult. He'd be one of the most difficult to beat in the primary. But if you win the primary, you're going to win the general. There's somebody good out there. Step up. Make your voice heard. Yeah. And number one by a chasm (laughs) that we can barely measure is Mitt Romney in Utah. He's unpopular among Republicans Republicans in his state. Yeah. He is... When in in your own party, only 41% Mm -hmm. approve of the job you're doing? Yep. You're ripe for picking. Ripe for picking. Number two, 
He's in a state that Republicans basically can't lose, even if they try. Right. Right. Um, and number three, uh, he is the least conservative out of all the candidates by a pretty large margin. I mean, Wicker has a bad voting record. It's nothing compared to Mitt Romney. No, he's terrible. So it's terrible. This is, I think, incredibly clear. And the problem is we will spend the next six years bitching about Mitt Romney mm-hmm. and complaining about him while he's in office instead of doing something now while he's not. He can be thrown out. He can be thrown out. He can be defeated. Yes, he's got a famous name. Yes, he ran for president in 2012. Yes, he did something in the Olympics 900 years ago. So what? (laughs) He sucks as a senator. We all realize it. Why won't someone step up and do something about it? I don't know. Someone's got to do it. Pat, you know everybody in Utah. I know every single person. All three million people in Utah. Right. I'm I'm very familiar with each. Which one's the best one? Uh, Bob. Bob Bob. Bob Bob would be great, but he's not going to run. Great. He's not going to run. Whoever Bob is. Triple Eight Seven Two Seven B E C K. More coming up in one well, a couple of minutes. <sighs> I tempted, but I won't. Okay. Uh, a good real estate agent has a lot of uh, responsibility when you come to buying or selling a home. It's kind of your biggest financial decision. Right, uh, you know your biggest financial transaction, maybe of your entire life. That's how life works, right? You usually get a house, and then the next house is a little bit more expensive for a long series of purchases. That is a, a huge risk to your financial future. You got to have the right agent on your side. What's the best area to live in? What's the best street to live on? What has the what, what connects to the right school district? All these questions are really, really important. Not to mention, if you want to sell your home, how do you get the most money out of it? Honestly, how do you market it the right way? realestateagentsitrust.com goes through they sort through all these agents just like kind of how i did sort through all these candidates right they they actually they don't, you don't just vote based on are they a realtor or not because only real estate agents can be realtors or only realtors can be real estate agents or whatever the phrase is but the bottom line is realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best real estate agent in your area go to realestateagentsitrust.com it's realestateagentsitrust.com join the conversation 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. It's Pat and Stu. We were just talking about uh, vulnerable Republicans who are terrible in office and should be primaried. <laughs> and... Uh, the biggest name on that list, Mitt Romney. Yes, definitely he needs Romney to go. is he's, the number he's one. Gotta go. By every measure. Uh, and, you know, there's some rumors about people who may be thinking about primarying him. One is uh, Riverton Mayor Trent Staggs. Riverton's a uh, suburb of Salt Lake City. Okay. So there's there's Trent Staggs. Is he in the race or is he, he r- is, rumored? No. Okay. He is uh, rumored to be entering the race. Okay. Uh, also, House Utah House Speaker Brad Wilson, okay. he set up an exploratory committee in April, and they do mention Jason Chaffetz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase, Chaffetz says he's thinking about it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting. option there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very well loved when- He was a congressman, right? When he was a congressman, yeah. early in the, you know, early, uh, late 2000s, I and guess. He's 2009, been- 2010 ish. Yeah, he was kind of in that Tea Party era, and has yeah. spent a lot of time now as a, a Fox News right. commentator. So since. he's still high profile. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, Attorney General Sean Reyes, which Reyes you guys have had on the air multiple times. Yeah, right? he's been he's been great on the air. He's been right on everything I've heard him speak about. Uh, really solid, understands the Constitution. He, he, I mean, I don't know if he's going to run. I've heard rumors of that. Um, that he was considering it. I mm-hmm. hope he does jump in because he'd be a great candidate. And, you know, he's, he's got, I don't know, it's tough to be, do you have a state profile if you're a mayor of a, of a city? You might, you know, some people, that's mm-hmm. that certainly can work, but it might be more difficult. You need someone with a state profile. Chaffetz and Reyes both have that. Yeah. Um, what was he like, Brad, uh, 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 the Speaker of the House? Yeah, Brad Wilson. Wilson. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's on that level maybe. too. Somebody's got to step in here. This is a winnable race. They don't even mention Bob though. Your friend Bob? Yeah, my friend Bob. Well, you Bob. know all, all everyone yeah. in Utah. So. Well, 3.2 million Bob. or whatever. And, but Bob is great. Uh, not even a mention no. in this does, article. Does Bob have a last name? Well, sure he does. But you just don't know what it is. I don't know what it You're is. You're on a first name basis. Right, exactly. Meaning for it you, you don't know his last name. I met him. Uh, all right. Well, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Stu will not. I will not. Strangely. We're off. I'm off on vacation. Yeah. Glenn is back Monday, and, and uh, we'll see you next week as well. The Glenn Beck Program. Getting yourself and your family out of debt has always been important to a sound family budget, but I think you'll agree it's now crucial. This economy is accelerating fast towards chaos, and you don't want to have a bunch of debt when that train comes off the tracks. Obviously, you know, cut the bills where you are spending a bunch of extra money, like the interest on credit cards. You're probably already paying 15, if you're lucky, 20, 22%. Credit card rates are variable, and you're only going to... 